following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Well, I'd like to welcome you here today as well, if uh, you're a visitor as well, especially if this is your first time here. Welcome to Shaw Community. My name is Leon O'Flynn. I'm one of the members here, and uh, it's my privilege to be speaking this morning. Now, I'm going to take my watch off, and so I can see the time, but uh, as uh, an old joke goes in the preaching circles, a kid takes, uh, is taking a friend to church for the first time, and the friend's asking all about different things that are happening at church. What does that mean? And gets an answer. What does that mean? Gets an answer. Then the preacher gets up to speak and takes his watch off and she goes, what does that mean? And she goes, absolutely nothing. So uh, we'll see what we can do. All right. So, um, uh, yes, we might have my opening slide here in a minute. Um, When Reuben asked me to speak, I've only got four bits of paper. So there you go. If you're uh, counting track as I shuffle through when I get to paper page four, we're almost done. All right. So not saying what's on each page, but I'm saying that's where we are. Um, when Reuben gave me the parameters of what to speak on today, he said something from the Gospels. So that was as wide and as broad as we got when it came to what to speak on. So I took that literally. And am I falling off here? There we go. I think I'm just having a struggle with the mic and the glasses. So just hold on one second while I adjust. There we go. Um, as my, my uh, youngest tells me all the time, I'm getting old, hence the glasses. Um, So something from the Gospels was the parameters. And so today what I'm going to present is some thoughts that I've been working on over the last couple of years. So it's a little unfinished. It's a little, uh, lacks a little bit of polish, uh, but it's also just a set of thoughts and some thinking that I've been working on, some issues, uh, and and more more importantly, a central issue that I've been sort of grappling with. Maybe you've been grappling with it as well. And before you get too excited about what I'm going to talk about... um, And this has been part of the journey I've gone on over the last few years about what does it mean to be a Christian in the 21st century? How do we actually practically go about being a Christian in the environments we live in? Uh, All the time on Facebook, I see things about what life was like when I was a kid. And I'm getting old enough now that I I see some of those memes actually speak to me. You know, growing up in the 80s as a kid. Yes, great times as a kid in the 80s. And look at some of you going, I've got no idea what the 80s were like. Others are like, oh, yes, I was 30 then. Um, Not naming names. So um, the next slide is sort of where I'm coming from. But what does it mean to be a Christian in our, in our current culture? And this slide's got a whole lot of pictures I found online that intersects Christianity and politics and faith. Now, there we go. One of the most dangerous things you can do when you preach a sermon is to talk about politics up on the podium on a Sunday morning. All right, because some people are going to love what you have to say and some people are going to despise you for even mentioning what you said. All right, so here are some of the, the, the things I found. And this is just a, a quick little search that talked about the intersection of faith and politics or Christianity and politics. Top left-hand slide, for example, uh, basically says that if you're a Christian, you should vote for Donald Trump. It's as simple as that. And that was a sermon on the two connections, how black and uh, water is wet. Vote for Donald Trump if you're a Christian. Uh, one of the other slides is coming to a different conclusion that uh, only someone who hates people could vote for Donald Trump, and you can't possibly be a Christian if you do that. Uh, There's a guy getting crucified up there in the Pacific Islands. I'm not quite sure what that's all about, but he seems to think that's something to do with politics and religion and his faith. Uh, There's a senior Orthodox official talking to President Obama in the White House. There's a couple of texts there talking about uh, what it means to be uh, a Christian, justice, 
trying to bring politics together. And just in case we get a little too carried away with ourselves and think that it's all an American problem, the bottom right-hand corner there is, a, is this picture of Westminster, uh, which obviously is the, the, the mother of our parliament, which is literally connected to a church and Anglican bishops sit in the upper house. So think about that. Church leaders voting on the laws of the land. Now, the upper house is a bit of a rubber stamp nowadays, but in the past, it was actually the source of a tremendous amount of power. So Christian bishops were massive landowners back in the day, still are in England, and so they voted on the laws of the land. So don't forget, the queen technically is the head of the Anglican church, anointed by God as the official line. So politics and religion, not just working together, but have actually merged into one piece. Uh, I also found this famous law, and maybe you've experienced this on various ways. It's called Godwin's Law. It's a law that came around a few years ago, and it goes like this. I'm going to read it out uh, verbatim because it's quite worth reading. The longer a forum or a chat lasts, whether the topic, uh, whatever the topic, the chance of being called a Nazi or compared to Hitler is one. In other words, from a statistical probability perspective, the longer you're involved in online conversation, it's a certainty at some point someone will call somebody a Nazi in there. Or, oh, you're just like Hitler. No matter what it is. So you start over here on a cooking recipe forum, and if it keeps going, at the end of the day, someone's going to get called a Nazi out of this. And um, I don't know about you, but I've seen a few of these forums unfold, and I have no idea of the connection, but the person commenting clearly thinks the other person's a Nazi or compares them to Hitler. My favorite, when you see that, and this is sad, this is part of my, uh, my humor, uh, is when someone who's Jewish gets called a Hitler. And you're like, well, I think you've kind of lost what that meaning word means, you know? You kind of lost track. Um, and, and these pictures in many ways capture some of the issues I'm talking about. How do I, as a Christian, operate and share my faith and live a life that's honoring of Jesus, that demonstrates what he's about and brings his glory and not my own? I'm not saying anybody here who's of faith is wrong or is bad or is terrible. I'm sure they're working through this themselves. But I was thinking, what are some of the things that I can look at um, that might help me? And I, was, I grew up in a church community that taught me, much like Shaw, that if you've got a question about something, go to the text and pray about it. So actually get into the Bible, which we're going to do here in a few minutes, and read and see what Jesus had to say on the topic and commit to what you're trying to read to prayer. All right, so that's kind of where I'm coming from this morning. So I've got some answers. I'm not saying they're all perfect. I'm not saying these are the answers or that there's no possibilities of, of other positions you could come with. But here are some of my workings and some of my musings. Um, and the passage we're going to be looking at today uh, has helped me cut through some of the noise and got me to think about what does the kingdom look like? And I use the word noise deliberately. Um, I'm going to share this little story. It's not, a, it's not a random story. A few years ago, there was a guy called Donald Trump running for election in America against a person called Hillary Clinton. And there was a little challenge I saw that said, go to Facebook and see um, how many of your friends like Donald Trump's Facebook site. And then go to the Hillary Clinton Facebook site and see how many of your friends like that site and put the score here. And most people had a score like 23 to 0. 42 to 1, you know, so all of their friends supported one of the candidates or the other candidate. I had a score of 22-23. Big chunk of my friends in America 
loved Donald Trump and a big chunk of my friends in America can't stand him and loved Hillary. So I was getting all sorts of stories coming at me and it's just noise sometimes, almost overwhelming. You turn on any media, uh, certain people that you talk to, they just want to talk about this stuff all the time. So I was thinking, how do I cut through this noise and actually have some principles uh, that I can help with uh, in my own life? So we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. That's one bit of paper. Um, uh, Chapter 11. And uh, we'll get there in a few moments. But can we flip uh, to the next slide? There we go. Um, So this is the story of sort of where we're going to be be today. is a story of two cousins. Uh, And these cousins are Jesus and John the Baptist. And we don't think of them sometimes as as cousins. We often think of them as these great figures. But they were actually cousins. I was tempted to put a photograph of myself with my cousin, who was born about six weeks apart from me. And when we were kids... You might find this hard to believe, but various members of the family used to compare us a lot. Well, you're not like your cousin Jason. You're not like your cousin Leon. Your, your cousin Jason's doing this at school now. What, are you, what were your grades, Leon? Oh, okay, here we go. Um, and various people claimed that one of us was the favorite of our grandmother. You know, so there was a little bit of tension there sometimes. Now, luckily, he and I just kind of worked through that and just blew through all that noise and ignored everybody. All right. Um, but cousins, family, there can be a little bit, of, there can be some rough dynamics there sometimes. And what we're going to see today is John's been arrested, he's in jail, and he's not sure. He's thinking about what it means about Jesus, what all this talk, what all this um, miracles that have been happening, what's been going on, what does it all mean? I, I would imagine it must be tough to grow up with somebody and discover that they just happen to be the Messiah. You know, I reckon that's a tough sort of set of things to sort of take on board. You know, now, my cousin, he's an accountant. I can handle that. All right, so I don't think Jason's claiming that he's the Messiah or some sort of prophet or some great religious leader. He's not in politics. He's not the prime minister. Okay, he's just some dude in Wellington that's raising his family like I'm trying to do. But here's John the Baptist. He's in prison. I think in his heart he knows this is not going to end well. By and large, when you're in prison those days, you didn't come out. Right? You got arrested, it was just a process before it ended. So here's John the Baptist, he's reflecting on Jesus. And I'm sure in the background there's all this family tension and dynamics, and he's trying to go, okay, what is it, you know, is Jesus the real deal? Have I, have I nailed my colors to the right thing, or have I missed it? Have I been blinded by something? Maybe it's the other way around. He's enamored with Jesus because he is family. So he sends out some of his uh, disciples, some people from it, and he asks this question of Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the right one? Are you the one we've been waiting for or should I look for somebody else? In other words, is my life, is my life work heading in the right direction? Have I attached it to the right person or am I just wasting my time? I think... All of us who have been of faith for a while have probably had that question at some stage. Am I on the right track or is this just noise? Is this just a waste of my energy? Is this just tradition, a family experience? Is this not what life should be about? Or is this the real deal? Is this where actually the source of true and abundant life sits? Or is this just a thing I do? You know, uh, maybe it's just a social club. Maybe it's just 
about being seen to be doing the right thing. I don't, there's a hundred different variations of what we could look at with that. I think John's having the same sort of struggle. And what we're going to do in the text here in a second, we're going to, we're going to look over it, we're going to analyze it, we're going to go back, and we're going to hear about what the kingdom looks like. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I'm reading stuff online, I'm listening to friends who are talking about politics and faith, and I'm, I've been thinking about, well, how do I come up with some way to analyze what's going on. Jesus provides that for us here today. Now, this is just one sort of example of what he does. He does it some other places, but I think the framework we've got here will help us. Um, some of your Bibles, and I chose a, a kind of an, a more literal translation today on purpose. Some of your Bibles might question where Jesus is quoting things from. They have different highlights. Some bits are in chunky that means quoted from the Old Testament. Other bits kind of don't have it. So there's a little bit of disagreement about what Jesus is actually referring to. But uh, what we see um, in this thing, if we've got the next slide here. What we see here, that, um, that third point there, a lot of quotations from the Old Testament in Matthew, especially the Psalms, especially Isaiah. In the next chapter over, he, he quotes directly from Isaiah chapter 42, which is the first of the four servant songs. And this, this section that he's talking about connects to some of those other uh, passages, right? So the themes are all behind it, underlining and, and, and highlighting what's going on, all right? So let's, let's read out these, these, uh, these verses. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect somebody else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is everyone who does not stumble on account of me. In the Gospel of Matthew, and I had it up on the previous slide, there are five of these sections that start with, and when Jesus had finished saying these things, it kind of cuts the book up into five major sections. So we're kind of at the start of a new one. So Jesus does stuff, and then he talks about it. Right, five times. Got these quotes from the Old Testament. A um, lot of language around the kingdom, what the kingdom looked like, how you can tell it, how it's going to be a different kingdom. You've heard a lot of sermons here on Sunday about this, and this sermon plugs this section of text plugs straight into that to that part of of Matthew's gospel. So when we're reading this passage, think about these passages from Isaiah sitting in the background. Sometimes he quotes them directly. Sometimes he kind of alludes to them. Sometimes he kind of nudges up against them. And then he draws on them in this text. And I, I, I love this first three verses of the section. So we've transitioned from one part into this text. And then John's question is, are you the one? Are you the one or, or is it somebody else? He's cut through all the noise instantly. There are so many things that we can get sucked into and to soak up our time. 
issues. You know, retirement savings, house prices, justice, politics, sport. I know some of you might be loving the America's Cup right now. That's totally fine. It's not unbiblical, right? But this question cuts right across all of that. Are you the one? I don't think, as much as I love test cricket, yay for two more tests in June, that test cricket is what my life should really be about. Or all my focus should be on watching my KiwiSaver account increase in value. Or whether or not I should or shouldn't support this company because of their stand on XYZ or ABC. Jesus cuts through all that. John cuts through all that with this question. Are you the one Jesus? Because if you're not, I'll move on and do something else meaningful with my life. Now, I think that's a question we can ask ourselves on a fairly regular basis. That's two bits of paper. And I think in verse four, Jesus demonstrates that he's a master teacher and I think a keen uh, understanding of human psychology. All right, look at verse four again. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So Jesus didn't say, oh yes, let's have a three hour seminar on whether I'm the one. PowerPoint slide number one, John's followers. Here are the verses that support me. You know, here's, he didn't go through a lecture series. He didn't do some magical trick in front of John's disciples. He didn't do all that stuff. What he said was, report back what you see and hear. Right? So not just what I say, but what I do. They're actually together. They're in alignment. So in a sense, we've already got our first marker of what the kingdom looks like. Do our actions and our words match? Or are they out of alignment? Do we actually take this stuff seriously or is it just something we tick box on? Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, I've gone through a lot of compliance training in my life at various institutions. And that's a great tick boxing exercise on a regular basis. Now, do you understand all the health and safety? Yep, tick, 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 don't care, tick, tick. Excellent, training done. Woo, let's go and have an early lunch. All right, that's how, that's how we love compliance. Because somebody somewhere decided that this three-day seminar was vital for everybody in the organization and some company is willing to sell a package for that, all right? That's me being slightly cynical. But here's Jesus. Look at my life, John the Baptist's followers. Look what's going on here. Do my words and my deeds match each other or are they out of alignment? So over here, you can't talk about love and mercy and beat people. You can't talk about compassion and have none. Generosity and you're not generous. So Jesus asks these guys to see if his life matches. And then Jesus outlines what's going on in this kingdom. And in these, uh, verse five, we see this. The blind receive sight, and we're gonna come back and unpack these a little bit more. The lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So in other words, 
If that's not what's going on, it's not kingdom business. Might be good, might be noble, could be bad, could be evil. But if this is not what's happening in it, it's not the kingdom of God. It's something else. All right? That's what the text is saying to us today. So here's a template that we can lay across something. What does this look like? Well, this is what's going on, John's disciples. The blind are receiving sight. Well, what's happening over here? I'm screaming at people that don't agree with me over something. Well, whatever that is, that's not kingdom business. That's something else. Again, could be good, could be noble, could be right, but it's not kingdom stuff. I don't see Jesus screaming at people, taking them down on Facebook. Hashtag slammed, outraged, you're wrong, I'm right. All right? The blind can see, the deaf can hear, leprosy is cleansed. And then verse 6, which seems kind of oddly out of place at the end here. Blesses anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I read a number of commentators on this, and I thought this is the best explanation of this. That, uh, and I'll read this quote out. Sorry, this is cheating. This is piece of paper 2A, all right? I've cheated slightly. If Jesus has bought the kingdom and if Christians have begun to experience eschatological blessings through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is perhaps natural to expect and want the eschaton, the, 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 the coming of the kingdom, now. But that is precisely what Jesus does not offer. Thus, in the presence, the present, the disciples of Jesus must be prepared for something less. We're looking for the kingdom. We want the kingdom to come, but it's not here yet. We get little tastes of it here and there. We get little examples of it here and there. Indeed, for the reality of suffering and death while even confessing the messianic identity and authority of Jesus, just like Stephen did in Acts, thereby expressing faith in the good news he has announced. So it's tempting when we read something like this to go, well, hang on, I'm not seeing that right now. If this is what the kingdom looks like, we don't see this anymore, it's not there. But it's there, it's not yet. Again, this idea that the kingdom has come, but it's not quite there yet. So let's, let's turn back, um, and someone might point out to me, hey, Leon, it doesn't actually expressly say kingdom in this passage. Good eyes. I see most of you didn't pick that up because you look at me blankly right now when I said that. All right, so it's not expressly there, but it's all around and it's all weaved through and the language is there. And again, this is what Jesus has been preaching and this is what John's asking about. So let's turn to verse five. And there's a couple of things we can do here um, that we've got to be careful. So on, one, on sort of one hand, we can expect miracles still, right? I've heard stories in my life, people who are blind who now see, literally. No, no allergy, no analogy or nothing else. They've received miraculous healing. That still could be part of what's going on here. I'm going to park that over there because that's not what I want to talk about today. We also don't want to turn this into a giant uh, allegory, right? Well, getting sight, well, that means getting access to the internet because that's how you get sight today. So I'm going to, you know, unless we give everybody the internet, then we're not really giving sight. Well, I think that we could do that. That's a nice uh, ministry, but if we're not careful, we can just sort of miss all these things and put it over there and turn them into a giant, a giant sort of uh, piece that we don't really connect to the text. But um, I think the next slide is where I am on this. So 
blind receive sight, those passages there in the central column is where that all took place in Matthew's gospel. Right? So when Jesus tells these disciples to go and look at these things to see if they match, what he's really saying is go back and look at the early parts of our ministry. And as us as readers, we know all these things have taken place. Right? So Jesus has healed the blind, the lame, the deaf, and so forth. Okay? So there's that actually going on in the text. But I started looking at these from a slightly different angle. Um, <clears throat> the key thing I looked at here is what was broken is now fixed. What was broken is now fixed. What was excluded is now included. Right? Lepers were excluded from society. Many of the disabled in this day were excluded from society as well. Right? So what was broken is now fixed. What was excluded is now included. And all of these things give life. So I think what we're starting to develop here is some markers of what the kingdom looks like. Now, this doesn't mean there's a, a perfect checklist that we can go through. But we're starting to get some, some features of what this kingdom's going to look like. So in the background of the Gospel of Mark, he's constantly writing about this, this kingdom. Well, they've got the Romans over there and they've got dozens of other kingdoms around them. They, they know what a military kingdom looks like. You know, the higher-ups tax you and if you don't agree, they just take everything away, possibly your life. Right? So they've seen all that. They've got plenty of examples of a militaristic kingdom that just dominates and dictates your life. And here's Jesus talking about a very different kingdom. A kingdom with these markers where people who are blind now can see. So I started thinking about this over the last couple of years, about what I can do with this. And I've not put a list up on the next slide. Let's go there. Um, so there's no, there's no action steps out of this for you. I'm just going to tell you what I've done. Because I think you need to come up with your own, right? Where you are, what you're dealing with. Because I think this is the hard part. And also, I didn't want to come up with a, a list of sort of hoity-toity rules that everybody can say, oh, look at Leon, he's so wonderful. All right, I just want to say, here's what I'm working on. And I don't always get this right. And sometimes I get it wrong. And sometimes it doesn't work. All right? And I think that's, again, kind of one of the markers of the kingdom. It's sort of challenging us to go against our nature. So here's where I am. And you're welcome to copy. This is paper four now. Look at that. Um, here are four things that I've come up with that help me to think about whether or not I'm demonstrating the marks of the kingdom or, I'm, or am I doing something else? Number one. I ask more questions than I used to. Sort of James, you know, quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak. Or, you know, maybe as your grandmother said, you've got two ears and one mouth. God's probably told you what sort of ratio of speaking to listening you should have there. I think listening allows us to get into people's lives. Some people are broken for different reasons. Some people are blind for different reasons. And when we listen, we assume that we're, we, we, we try to assume 
that we're not the, sorry. And attached to that, we don't assume that we're the ones who aren't blind. So when I'm listening, I'm listening to see if I've missed something or if I don't understand something or a new perspective might show light on something. When we take the time to listen and not react, a lot of conversations are like that classic game of volleyball at school, you know, just bash the ball over the other side of the net, don't do anything with it, just get it over. That's how I still play most of my, <clears throat> my sport. But when we listen, maybe, maybe there's something in this voice or in this person's perspective that I've never thought about before that'll, that'll open me up to understand where they're coming from. Maybe I'm going to read a book that on the surface I, I probably don't agree with, but if I, I get in there, I will discover something new about where this person's coming from. Maybe I'm the one that's blind in this situation or deaf. Maybe I've never thought about it before. Had that slide at the start there with all the little political uh, captions. Because of where I've grown up, I, I grew up in South Auckland. I live here on the shore. I've moved around with the military. I've lived in the States. I've literally been in uh, different churches where people of Christian convictions have said that this political party is the one you should vote for in the up-and-coming election. And in this church in the same country, you should vote for this party. I'm not saying they're wrong, but there's a reason why people are saying that. And if we take the time to listen, we might understand where they're coming from. I only discuss, this is me now, political questions with people face to face. I had a little, a little a period there where I used to love watching the forums and the blogs and watching the train wrecks that would unfold. And maybe that uh, speaks a little bit about my uh, character. I've stopped doing that because it's just frustratingly hard to engage with complicated subjects in 144 characters. Um, when I write, I, I take ages to get it just right and I got to edit it and go, go back, put it into Grammarly, have another look, you know, oh, you know, take that sentence out. So writing quickly on Facebook or on a forum somewhere to what someone has said, I know it's, gonna, I know it's not gonna come out right. And I think when we talk face to face with people about complicated subjects, we see their body language, we get to see their tone, we hear their tone, sorry, and we get a sense of what they're coming from, what they're about. So I've made a commitment to myself not to engage in certain platforms, even about serious things, even though I know quite a bit about the subject. Um, and I, I broke this rule a few weeks ago and I wasn't called a Nazi in three sentence, I was called stupid. So that was much better, I was quite happy with that. Uh, it's not too often I get called stupid in my life these days, but there you go. Um, the other thing I do now is I ask more about what will the outcome be out of this? Will this event, will this program, will this thing that I've been asked to participate, will it bring about signs of the kingdom or is it something else? So you want me to, to put my energy, my passion into this? You can fill in whatever you want there. Will that bring about the kingdom or is it just busy work? Is it just noise? Is it something else? Now again, those things can be perfectly noble. They can be good things. We all do things that we're just doing because of the sake of doing life. But it may not be kingdom business. I also try to reflect on my actions more. So this is kind of where Jesus is coming from, my words and deeds. So I can sit there and write out a, a long theological treatise on 
the kingdom and the signs of the kingdom, but my, do my life actually live that? Do I actually do this on a day-to-day basis? And my encounters with people actually do this, or is something else going on? Is something else happening here? So those are just four little things that I've been working on over the last couple of years as I uh, encounter people in different environments, as I engage with people in different environments. Um, and it's hard. Just the other day, I was driving up at the car park, um, up at Highbury Shops, and a young fella, it's coming near, uh, near go back to school, a young fella walked right across me and just started meandering on the car park. I gave him a little toot to sort of move him along. As I went past, I dropped down the window and I just said, hey, young fella, just, you know, just watch where you're going. You don't want to get hit. Um, he told me to do some things that <laughs> could be physically impossible, certainly illegal. Um, and I must admit, I wanted to show him some signs of a different kingdom, uh, a more physical kingdom. Uh, but I didn't think that would be wise. But... Um, so maybe you've got other places where you struggle with this as well, right? This stuff's not just theoretical, it's daily as we reflect on how do we show the signs of the kingdom. The temptation for Christians, and uh, I know theological traditions that actually say we shouldn't vote as Christians because the whole lot's evil. The temptation to, for Christians is, is to withdraw from public life completely. However, I think our voice will be needed more and more as our culture proceeds in the 21st century. Doesn't mean it's going to be a welcomed voice. Um, but it's only when we speak with a Christian voice that we demonstrate the words of the kingdom, that our voice is in line with Jesus. My watch says it's time to stop. So thank you very much. Should I pray? And then let's pray, Tim. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that we're the faithful few that came along rather than go off to camp. Uh, we pray that every encounter we have, whether it be family, colleagues, strangers, young men in car parks, that we try to live and speak the kingdom and not something else. I pray that your kingdom comes soon and that your will be done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.